0: All right, go ahead and grab a seat. My name is Caleb. If we haven't met before, I would love to meet you. As uh, as Sarah said earlier, I think my mic just died, guys, but uh, as Sarah said earlier, uh, we have the pastor's lunch right after the service today, and uh, if you're new and just kind of looking at what is this church about or who are we, I'd love for you to join us there. It's just going to be, if you walk out in the hall, there'll be a sign pointing you into a, a room, uh, I know it sounds kind of ominous, but there will be a sign pointing you through an alley. Just walk that way. Um, but I, I'd love to, for you to be my guest there and be able to get to know you a little bit more and share a little about what we want for you to experience at this church. So uh, join us for that right after the service. It's only going to be 20, 30 minutes at the most, and uh, so we'd love for, for you to have you um, to have you there at that. So uh, we're, we're uh, going through this book in the Bible called 1 Timothy in a series that we are uh, over halfway through now and talking about what it looks like to experience life stronger than it is now. And so I'm going to pray, and then we will jump jump into the time together today. So God, I ask even now that you would open our hearts, pray that you would speak to us and we need you. We need your voice in our lives. We need your presence in our lives. And so I ask that you would speak and lead us today through your word, allow us to be convicted where we need to, to be challenged, to be comforted, to be led and help us to see what it is that you want us to see. Everybody comes in here in different ways, God. Come in here, maybe some of us don't know what we believe, and some of us have been Christians for a long time, and some of us have been at this church for a long time, and I'm sure for some it's the first Sunday here. God, I know that in this room there's many people in different ways, but God, you are a God that knows each person here and wants to speak to each person, and so I pray that you would do that. In your name we pray this, Jesus. Amen. So we want to grow. You and I, we, we all want to grow. There's different areas that we look at in our lives and say, I, I want to experience growth in this area. Maybe you experience a lot of stress at work and you say, man, I would love to be able to have more peace in my job. Or maybe it's more relationally speaking, you look at your marriage and say, man, I, I want to grow in my marriage. There's conflict that happens and communication issues that happen. And I want to grow in my relationship. Maybe if you're a parent, I know that as a father, many nights I, I get in bed and go, man, I just I want to be a better dad. I want to be able to do this better. Maybe that's true for you. Or maybe it's as a friend. You, you have friends that are going through hard times and difficult stuff. And you say, I want to grow as a friend. I want to be better as a friend. Or maybe it's just certain sins in your life that you struggle with. And you say, I want to grow in these ways. I want to get better in these things. And we know that if we grow if inside there's things that change and if we think about things different and our heart is different, that if if we grow, that life is better. It doesn't mean that all the different things in our lives change. A lot of times things stay the same. A lot of times the difficult stuff that you're going through is still difficult. But if we change, if we grow, things are better and we want to grow, but a lot of times find it difficult. You might find it difficult because there's a lack of motivation. You want it, but there's not enough motivation to actually say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about this. So maybe it's because there's a lack of motivation. or A lot of times we just don't even know where to get started. You look at things in your life and you go, man, I want to grow, but you don't even know where to get started. It's just kind of this this big blob of mess and you're like, I don't even know what would change this relationship. I don't even know what could make my work situation better. It's so overwhelming. I don't even know what would bring more peace into my life. That It can be kind of overwhelming to even know where to begin or or sometimes we start and we say, I want to grow and I want to get better and I want things to change and I want to do my part and, and, and we start and then just kind of, you know, burn out and, and we give up. It, it gets a little hard. It gets a little difficult and say, I don't, I don't know about this. It, it, it maybe is, it's it's too much. It, it's more than, more than I thought it would be. Or sometimes, man, we might have the right motivation and, and we might, we might give it our all, but, but we're actually just do, going about it the wrong way. We actually don't know how growth actually happens, and so we actually look at our life and say, man, I'm trying, I'm, I'm giving it everything I got, and I want this, but we we don't actually experience much growth. We don't actually experience much change, and so it's discouraging because we feel like we're trying, we feel like we're committed to the process, to growth, but, but not much actually happens, and so growth is something we want, and yet we look at our lives and go, man, it's, it's challenging, it's, it's not easy, it's it's difficult, but, but if you look at your life and you think, man, what would actually happen? And if I could actually grow, if, if I could actually look at my life and say, man, there's progress that's being made. I know how to grow. And every day there's, there's some change that's actually happening. I'm actually experiencing growth. And, and you, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next day, but you, you could look back and you could say, there's certain sins that I really wrestled with that I have freedom in now. And there's certain areas in my life that I was really burdened or I was really crushed or sorrowful or just kind of despairing. But, man, I, I've got joy now. Or, or maybe there's certain relationships and you say, man, that was in a really rough spot. But, but wouldn't it be amazing if you could look back and say, hey, we actually are strong now. We're mature. We're healthy. Things are better than they've ever been. That, that's what growth is. That's what we desire. Maybe even you just feel like life is good. Maybe you actually look at your life and, and you go, life is really good right now. But you know what growth means? Growth means that there is more that can still happen. It means that it's not done, that you can say life is really good and I'm experiencing a lot of joy and things are, things are going well, but, but there's more that could actually happen. And you can look back at your life and say, man, I thought I was mature. I thought that I was experiencing all there was. But now I look back a year later and go, man, I'm so glad that I was actually able to experience Growth. So how do we get that? If that's what growth is and and that's what it can do and, and that's what's laid out as a possibility, how do we actually experience growth? How can we grow? And the letter that we've been looking at, the letter that Paul writes to a pastor named Timothy, this whole letter is really about that. That's why the series that we've been talking about is called Stronger because that's getting at that there is more that we can experience. There is growth that is possible for you and for me. This is really what the whole letter has been about. But today, Paul's really going to kind of, in some ways, I think, kind of lay it all on the table. The letter's coming to a close, and he's really, really kind of focusing on Timothy, that he wants Timothy to be able to personally experience growth as a pastor and to then, as an example in his life and through his teaching, help the church continue to grow. So this is what we will look at in this next section. How is it that we... Can grow, And if we, if we want to know that, we need to know where it is that we even need to grow to be able to identify the spots and to see what actually leads to growth and then what that changes. So let's read this passage. Paul says this, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words, the faith and the good teaching that you have followed but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things, be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. How do we grow? How is it that we experience the more in life that we want in whatever area that is that maybe it is that you desire that? First, we have to start with this. Where is it that we need growth? Where do we actually need to experience growth? And usually... If you think about your life and you say, okay, where do, I, where do I need to grow? What comes to your mind? It's probably certain actions that you say you want to grow in. Maybe you say, I want to be a more uh, kind of, I want to serve people better. I, I want to think of others before myself. Maybe it's your words. You say, man, I don't want to kind of speak such you know, mean words to people. I want to control my tongue better. Or, or, or maybe it's that you say, I want my temper to not be so hot. I, I, want to, I want to be able to be more patient with people. That You think about certain actions. You say, where, where do I need to grow? And we think of actions. Or maybe, maybe think about certain heart kind of condition or heart posture. Say, man, I want to care less what people think about me. I don't want to walk into a room and, and be so concerned. Man, what do they think I look like? Or how do I sound? Or am I coming across right? Or do people respect me? Do people think I'm wise? Do people, do people like me? Maybe you go, man, I, it's certain things in my heart that I want to grow. I just want to care less about other people's opinions. Or, or maybe it's control of your life that you say, man, I really wish I could just kind of release things not be so anxious about everything, not be so kind of worried what's going to happen and need everything to go my way or, or otherwise I, I kind of stay up at night and I, I'm thinking over things in my head. And you kind of think of certain heart postures or certain actions. This is where we usually think when we think about where we need to grow. But Paul uses a word. Paul uses a word where he says, here's really the key here's really where we need to grow, all all of us. And he uses this word, godliness. He says, he's kind of given all this different instruction and and this is kind of really the the key verse for this is to, to train yourself in godliness. This is what Paul says is really where we need to experience growth. But even that word, we don't really understand that word most of the time. If you think about godliness most of the time you might think of you know I don't certain religious aspects if you think of a godly person you might think of um, you know kind of a holyish looking thing we talked about holiness uh, a couple weeks back or one pastor says it like this which I think describes it well when we think about godliness a lot of times we think about goodliness right if, if I just said hey this is a really godly person what would you think about that person You would think, man, they'd live a really good life. They do good things. We think godly as goodly, but that's not what godliness is. And this is so important that if we wanna see where do we need to grow, where is it in our lives that we need growth? Paul says, here's where you need growth, godliness. So what is godliness then? Here's what godliness is. Godliness is living our lives in relationship to who God is and what he's done. It's letting all that he is and all that he's done affect all that we are all the time. You see, godliness is living our lives, our day-to-day lives all the time, living our lives in relationship to him. So another way to say that is just understanding how our relationship and who he is, how it affects all the different things that we come across. It's understanding I'm in relationship with God. That I walk with God, that I'm with God, that his presence, it really kind of like the song we sang, that he's all around me all the time. Godliness is being aware of him. It's being aware that he's here right now. Godliness is that you are aware of God, that you are affected by God in every part of your life. See, the closest thing I can think of with this is, is marriage. For those of you that are married, uh, maybe you have experienced this. They say that it takes, it takes seven years. And this is just kind of what sociologists and psychologists will, will tell you, that it takes seven years for a couple that is married to start thinking like we. Now, hopefully I can go faster. If you're a Christian, you maybe have some understanding of some things that are different. But really, that's, that's kind of a, that's, that's true in a lot of things that you say, man, yeah, there's these two people and they come together, but really you still think very independently. You think like, okay, I, I like this and they like that, but not necessarily we like this. You might think I've got these interests and they've got their interests. And a lot of time there's conflict that kind of starts to happen because you consider your time and their time and you consider your hobbies and their hobbies and your friends and their friends. And a lot of times there's conflict that gets created because of that. Because you've got two independent lives that are kind of coexisting now. But there's often this tension that gets bumped up against each other because you're really living independent lives, but together. But what happens over time is you begin to think like we. So you think, well, what is it that we want? And what are we going to do with our time? And what are we going to do with our money? And what are we... Where do we want to live? And what are our hobbies going to look like? And how do we raise our kids? And you start to be affected by the other person. You start to live in relationship to the other person in everything that you're doing. It it, it becomes a intuitive process where every part of your life is now affected by the other person. And you begin to think we. Now that is really close to what godliness is. Because what godliness is, is there's another relationship that you have and your life begins to be lived, affected by, aware of, in relationship with that person in every single thing that you are doing. So in all areas, in all places, it's not just a church thing, it's not just a Sunday thing, but you go to work and you are affected, aware of who God is and, and how you are in relationship to him. You go, you go to play and you do certain activities and hobbies and, and fun things that we talked about this a couple weeks ago and, and, and you are aware of God. You're aware of his relationship to you and who he's been to you and what he's done for you. You're aware of it. You're living in relationship to him in your relationships, at work, at home, as you play, all, all the time, you remember who he is. You remember what he's done for you. That is what godliness is in every single area of your life. This, like, if you had this, this would affect every area. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says to train himself in godliness and then he says it's beneficial. Godliness is beneficial in every way and then he kind of lays it out a little more specifically telling him to be an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. These are all the different aspects of what godliness would touch. These are all the different areas that it would affect. He's telling Timothy to be an example in these things, which for us as receivers, Timothy would be the leader of the church. So all those people that are receiving this, this is what he wants them to experience growth in. So think about this. If if who God is to you, if who God's been to you and what God is like to you, if that affected your speech, wouldn't that change things? And, and, and this is pretty comprehensive. You think about the words that we say and how we live and our hearts and our beliefs. And I mean, it kind of touches everything. And if you think you probably go, man, where do you, where is it that you want to grow? It probably falls into something on here, either your words or your relationship and your heart towards people or your beliefs, even of who God is or your purity in life or your conduct. That's kind of comprehensive just in itself. And you look at that, you probably go, yeah, I find myself in there, but here's what godliness is. What if, what if who God has been to you touched all these areas? What if you're aware of who God is and that is what affected remembering who he's been to you in all of these things? See, sometimes I think about my kids and I think about, man, I could probably help them grow if I could hover around them all the time. And some of you laughed and and some of you didn't laugh, either because you think I'm serious or because you're like, yes, exactly. That's how you parent. But I sometimes think, man, if I could just be around them, right? Like if I could go to school with them and I could hear what they're about to say and be like, wait a minute, let's change your speech. Or they're fighting with each other. And I could say, wait, stop. If I could just be around them all the time and their speech... And their conduct or even their beliefs, like, man, they start to believe things that aren't good or they're not loving in a right way. And I could say, hey, stop, here's the right way. Do this instead. I think if I could do that, maybe, maybe they would change. Maybe there would be some positive outcomes in their life. And that's how we usually think of godliness. But that's what godliness is. Maybe that's even what God wants, is God wants to kind of hover around our life and say, hey, do this. Nope, don't do that, do this. Hey, no, wait, don't say that, say this. Don't love like that, love like this. Don't believe that, believe this. Don't be impure like that, do this. Like we we can think like God like that. But in reality, again, go back to what godliness is. What godliness is, is God reminding us, showing us, us being aware of and affected by who he is in all of our lives. So I'm not a perfect dad, God is, but even a better, a better way for a parent to parent would be what if you could be around your kids hovering around them, not in a monitoring everything they do, telling them what to do, but what if you could be around them reminding them of who you are, reminding them of who you are to them. Now they feel like they want to lie about something and you can remind them, hey, just before, you, before your conduct goes in a dishonest route, remember, I love you. Remember, I'm I'm gracious. Remember, I I forgive you when you do wrong. Remember, I'm for you. Remember, I want good for you. And, and maybe they're gonna fight, and and you know, the, the, I've got two kids, so maybe they're gonna fight, and there's some conflict, and I I can show up and remind them, hey, remember when you sin against me, how loving I am, gracious I am towards you. Remember that. Remember, I'm for you. Remember. Remember that I want good for you and the way you're treating your sister right now isn't good or the way you're treating your brother right now, it's not good because look how I treat you. See, that's more what godliness is. Again, like, I'm not a perfect father, so all those things I couldn't say to my kids and it, that would be absolutely pure, but God can. Then that's what godliness is, is that God wants in all the different things that we are dealing with, in all the different things that we're struggling with. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's stuff that's hard in our life. God wants to show up and remind you. Don't you see who I am? In the areas where you feel like there's no hope, God wants, here's what godliness is. It's God reminding you. Don't you see that I'm present? Don't you see that I'm able? Don't you see that I'm strong? In the sins that you have in your life, Godliness is God showing up and you now remembering, oh, he's gracious to me. He he forgives me that even as we were singing in the beginning that nothing but the blood of Jesus and we sing, this is all my righteousness. So, so those days that, that you are in sin and, and you go, man, I, I've just, just kind of blown it over and over again, but, but God shows up and, and you remember godliness living in relationship to the fact that he's given you his righteousness, that your only righteousness, your only okayness, the only reason that before God, he says, I delight in you. Is because of Jesus, and that's secure. And so you go, yes, this is my righteousness. See, godliness is in the middle of suffering, in the middle of when your heart is broken, in the middle of tears coming out, and and it's just aching. You remembering God as refuge and God as comfort and God being there for you. That's godliness. It's being aware of who he is and all the different things of your life. It's being affected by who he's been to you in all the different areas, whether those are sins or suffering or struggles or whatever they might be all your life. See, that's where we need to grow. Like what if we had that? See, where we need to grow is not just changing our acts and actions or changing even our, our hearts, but it's to be aware of who God is in all of our life. To see him, to enjoy him, to be affected by him. That's, what, that's where we need to experience growth. So what do we need to do to experience that? What do we need to do to experience this kind of growth? What, what is it that we need? What do we need if we're going to have that kind of growth? more than just behavior change, more than even just our hearts kind of feeling different, but to be aware of who he is in every part of your life, to be reminded of who he's been to you in all areas. What do we need to experience that? Oftentimes, the way that we might even try to get that or to try to experience growth is is to just try harder to do that. Okay, I want to grow. I want everything, that who God is, to affect my speech, if you take kind of that word, or to affect my faith. Say so, okay, so I'm going to really try today. Today's the day that God affects my speech. And then you mess up and you're like, dang it, that didn't really work so quick. It didn't really go the way I thought it was going to go. Or, or maybe it's not even just trying. Sometimes it's the, almost the opposite of trying. We just say, it's just going to be time. Like, have you ever looked at your life and thought, Time will just make this better. Time will just kind of heal all things. With time, this will just change. I'll just, I'll just grow more godly and be more godly. And, and, and just, I just need time. A lot of times that's some of the ways that we approach change. But you know what Paul says? He gives us this important word. We've already seen him say it. But he says, this is what we need to experience a growth where we are aware of God, affected by God in all areas of life. He uses this word training train yourself in godliness training uh, that's a that's an important word and, and he kind of this word training throughout the whole passage we looked at here's where he says training, but throughout the whole passage he gives us these really active verbs, these really kind of uh, action oriented posture towards growth in godliness. look at all these different things he says. Tra- training yourself. We looked at that labor and strive, practice, be committed, make progress, pay close attention, persevere. He kind of loads up in this section on these active verbs and active posture to experiencing growth in all of our lives. But I I just want to focus in on this word, the training yourself, because that really kind of gets at what all of those things are to train ourselves And Paul Paul gives us this physical metaphor of athletic training. To train yourself is an athletic image. He wants us to train in godliness. And it's really helpful if we think about it physically. Because when you think of training, when you think of training from a physical standpoint, there's a lot of different things that that can include, right? But it includes at least a couple things. One of them is that training implies that it's difficult. I don't like physical exercise. I know you can't tell that, but I, I, I don't like physical exercise, right? It's hard, it takes a lot of work. I mean, it takes a lot of work to go and say, I am going to train myself physically. I'm going to wake up early, I'm going to not eat things that are good, I'm going to hurt myself and like it. Like, that takes a lot of work, right? <laughs> this is a non-gym person's uh, you know, take on what training is. So when I was, uh, I think thirteen or fourteen, uh, this was all over, all over the infomercials because I was thirteen or fourteen and I wanted a six pack, you know, because you got to get the ladies or whatever at thirteen, right? And so I bought one of these things. I don't know if you have ever seen this. And it was probably like $150 or something. And I was like, this is worth it. I will spend my money on this. And this is like this ab shocker thing. I don't know. So if you don't know what this is, it it just electrocutes you (laughs) and and you get stronger, supposedly, right? And it just sends electric impulses and and supposed to like, you know, it shocks you, and you're like, ugh, and then it does it again. And supposedly the flexing causes you to get strong, right? And I love, uh, apparently they still sell these. I figured that they would be done by now. But I love, this is a recent kind of ad for it. An effortless effortless ab workout, exclamation question, exclamation. No sit-ups, no sweating, no crunches, no time out of your day. So that's why I bought it, okay? <laughs> it's because it says you can get toned while you're at work, cleaning the house, walking the dog, or just relaxing. I can get abs while playing, you know, GoldenEye on 64. This is amazing. That's everything I wanted. And when we think about, when we think about godliness or you think about training, maybe you're even cool with it physically. But, but if you're like me, when it came to uh, physically, we don't like the work. We, don't, we want that. We want abshocker spirituality. We want abshocker growth in godliness. Man, I mean, we might look at it, and you might hear a sermon and go, yeah, if I was aware of who God is in every part of my life, that would change things. If I could know who God is to me and remember who God is to me always, and I'm suffering, and, and when I'm sinning, man, that would be amazing. But I just kind of want that to happen to me. I don't want to train Paul uses this word training. He uses the word training and progress and committed and practice in all of these things because you cannot coast into relational growth with anybody. You can't coast. Like if you're married, you don't, you're not going to look back 20 years from now. And when you've been married for 20 years and go, man, how, someone's going to say, what's the secret to marriage? How did this happen? How did you get so strong? And you go, we didn't do anything. We just coasted. That's not going to happen. I mean, people say, well, we really loved each other and we did date nights or we always prioritize. People always have stuff that they say that they did that helped a relationship get to where it is. Same with your kids. Your kids are gonna hate you in 20 years if you don't do some stuff about it. Like if you just say, if, if 20 years from now you go, hey, w- why do you still love your parents so much? Somebody, at, you know, you got most of us have little kids and someone says, uh, why, why is it that you still love your parents? Why do you still want to go there for holidays? Why, why don't you get in all these giant arguments? Why do you like to be around them? They're not going to say it. My parents didn't do anything. They never, they never hung out with us. They never, they, they're going to say, well, man, my parents did this and they did this. and they, There's, you, you never coast into relational growth. And, and what godliness is, is relational growth. It's understanding more of who he is. It's living our life in relationship to him more and more and more. And that's not something that you can spiritual or abshock your way into. And maybe when you hear this word training, that kind of turns you off maybe you think about that and and maybe even for those of you that used to go to church and maybe you're kind of giving it a shot, you're kind of coming back, you're, you're not sure kind of where you are or what you believe, maybe this is kind of the very thing that you actually got repulsed by with Christianity is it seemed like it was this, hey, you need to, maybe they didn't even use the word training or this kind of, but it's just, hey, you need to do better, you need to do good, you need to try harder, you need to do these things and that's actually what repulsed you about Christianity was this difficulty, this training. But listen, gotta go back to what godliness is because that can be repulsive and that can be scary and that can be something that turns us away if, if what Paul is talking about and if the way we think about it is, you need to train to be better, to do good, to be a better person, to do the right things more. But that's not what he's saying. See, training in godliness is training to be aware of who God is in all areas of your life. Training in godliness is to know him and enjoy him and receive him in every part of your life, to live in relationship to him. It's very different than just training to be good, being a good person. But here's here's what's true about training, both physically and spiritually. It's difficult because it's not natural, right? It's not natural, it's uncomfortable. It's, I mean, the whole, the whole thing that physical exercise does is if you go into the gym and you, you, you know, you're, you're lifting some weights and you're just crushing it, you know what happens? Your muscles are breaking. You're literally killing your muscles, you're destroying them. And then they build back up stronger. So it's difficult, training is difficult. And the same thing happens spiritually. Bad beliefs that we've had about God, bad ways that we've had of relating to God, things have to get broken down. They've got to be removed. They've got to be hurt in some ways because they're hurting us. That way we can experience more. That way we can experience something stronger that God actually has for us. So training is difficult, but we need training in order to experience the kind of growth that God has for us, which is why, what, what, you know, what Paul's even talking about, what would this training even be? It's, it's things that orient us to God more because it's relational. So it's reading the Bible and seeing who God is, and it's praying and it's seeing who God is, and it's fasting and seeing who God is, and it's spending time in community and seeing who God is. It's things that relationally orient us again to who he is. So what do we need to experience this kind of growth? We need training. And there's two things about training. Training's difficult. The second thing about training that we need to understand is, look, you might look where you are right now, right? You look where you are, whether it's relationally or sin or struggles, and you, you get overwhelmed thinking about growing. Because you can think, man, how could I ever get to a different place? You might see where you want to be, but it feels so far right? You look at where you want to go. You look at maybe who you want to become. Maybe you look at an example of somebody and say, oh, man, I would, I would love to be like that, but it feels so far. And so it can be overwhelming. But when you think about training, the second thing we need to understand is what is it that moves someone from this to this? What is it? When, what is it that moves? This is the rock, if you don't know, but look at this. What is it that moves someone from this to this? It's the ab shocker. That's what it is, you know. <laughs> well, it's probably steroids, but besides that, the thing—the thing that moves someone from this to this—or—or or, or think about this. This is kind of the before or after. But if you just think about all the great athletes, and you think about these are this was I just kind of Googled like best athletes of 21st century. This is Michael Phelps with all the different golds that that he has, and this is Serena Williams. And Tom Brady, I know we don't really like him in Denver, but still he, you know, he, he won. Uh, Usain Bolt, Lindsey Vaughn, Colorado's own, LeBron. <laughs> yep, whoop. And, uh, <laughs> and Peyton, of course. Like you think about what is, like what do they all have in common? What is it they all have in common that made them great athletes? And it's time. And I'm sure there's other things too, but great athletes are not born. They're made. This is like my chance to give a remember the Titans, you know, uh, speech. Okay. So <laughs> go out there and get them. You know, so. But great athletes, they're not, they're not, they're not born. They're made. Right. And it's time. So, so training, training's got a couple components to it. Right. One is it's difficult, but another is that it implies time. I mean, the word training implies there's, there's an ing to it. There's, it's not just you did it once, but there's time. It takes, it takes time. It takes years. And professional athletes are training all the time, hours a day. Olympic, Olympic athletes, their full-time job is training. So Training implies that it takes time. Uh, now, I, I actually love this because you know what this means? You, you might be discouraged when you look at your life right? Like you might be discouraged. You might say, man, am I always going to struggle with these things? And is my relate, are my relationships always going to be hard like this? Am I always going to just feel stuck? Am I always going to be crushed by these things? Am I always going to have doubts? And, And you might just be overwhelmed and discouraged. But here's what training means. It takes time. Like if you're 400 pounds in a bad way, not like a rock way, but if you're 400 pounds in an unhealthy way, and you walk into the gym and you give it your all. You know what's going to happen when you walk out? You're 400 pounds, maybe 399 I don't, in sweat. I don't know, you know, but not much changed actually, right? And, and if you walk in and you walk out, it's the same. And that's what, that's, this this is why the, even though I'm not, you know, a big athletic person or a small athletic person, I'm not not in any range of athletic person. I I, I love that Paul uses this metaphor because it's so helpful to think about your spiritual life. That if you go, okay, here we go. Tomorrow I'm reading the Bible. You know what's going to happen? Maybe nothing. Maybe not much. But training implies time. Training implies it takes time. And here's what else I love about this this idea of training, taking time. Sometimes we go, man, I don't know how I can change. And we look down there. You know, you look at the before, after. You look at the picture of the rock and go, I don't know how I could ever get over there, spiritually or physically. You go, I don't know how I could ever get there. I don't know how I could ever make it that far. But you know what? You don't have to. All you have to do, if that's over there, all you have to do is this. That's it. That's what training means. Training is just taking a step. Training is just saying, it takes time. So you don't have to think about, man, I wanna be this amazing, godly husband, this amazing, godly wife, this person that never has doubts, this person that is, you know, whenever I sin, I'm I'm resting in his grace. And if that's over there for you, you don't have to be over there. All you have to do, this is what training is. Here's what training is, it's time. So all you have to do is this. Like nobody ever did 10 push-ups and then was just ripped. But if you do 10 push-ups, I mean I'm living proof of that. So I mean that's it doesn't do anything. But if you do 10 push-ups one day and 10 push-ups the next day, and 10 push-ups the next day, and 15, and t- that changes things, right? That's just saying I'm gonna take a step. Instead of saying, I've got to be down there, I, like training might intimidate you. You think about the language that Paul uses of training, that might kind of scare you, but to me, it encourages me. And I hope it can encourage you too, because what it means is that it takes time. It means that God is abundantly patient with us. That God isn't expecting you to walk into the gym and walk out looking like the rock. He's not expecting you to pray one prayer and be like, okay, my life is fixed now. All my relationships are great, and my speech, and my conduct, and my faith, and my purity, and everything is awesome now. But he's saying this takes time. Take a step. And I'm patient with you. I'm patient with you. See, that's that's, that's what training means. Paul refers to. Paul refers to God earlier. We looked at that he is the God of all hope. He's the God of all hope. See, you you walk in and say, okay, I, I I want to be different. I want to experience growth. I want to experience change. Paul says, look, you might not have hope for yourself. You might not have hope for your relationships. You might not have hope for your thoughts. You might not have hope that things can actually be different, but he's the God of all hope. He's the God of all hope. And all you have to do is say, okay, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to let him lead me. Don't just expect that things will get better by time. Don't be overwhelmed by the impossibility of things. Instead, take a step. You just start where you are. You start where you are and he will lead you to where he wants you to be. And here's what training also means. Here's what, here's what training taking time means, that it's never too late. I mean, sometimes you see people physically speaking that you would go, it's too late for you. But it's not, it's not even too late. It, it's not too late, no matter what you are going through in your life. It's not too late. It's not too late to say, today, I'm going to do one push-up. It's not too late. You can move in a direction because God is the God of hope and because God is patient with you and because God knows it takes time. Training means it's difficult and it means it takes time. Even as you think about that, what do you feel like? What do you feel like your step is? What do you feel like your next step is to take? What would it mean for you to say, okay, I want to move in that direction? I want to move and being aware of God in all of my life. Maybe it is to read the Bible. Maybe it's to get an LTG, our, our smaller groups that we have. Or I don't know what it might be for you, but what is it? So if we want to experience this kind of growth, we need two things. We need training, which means it's difficult and it takes time. And the second thing that we need is humility. We need humility. Look what... Look what Paul says to Timothy. He, he tells him to point these things out. So Timothy's a pastor, he's a teacher, and he tells him, point these things out to people. And then later he says, command and teach these things to people. And then he tells him not to neglect the gift that was given to him when, when the group of elders laid their hands on him and prophesied what God would do through his life. Which is, which is the preaching and the teaching that he's been entrusted with. So all these things he tells Timothy to do, point them out, command and teach, not to neglect the gift. This is what Timothy is supposed to do. What does that mean for us then as receivers if we want to grow? It means we need humility. It means we need humility. See, because when we look at our lives and even the areas that we know we need to grow in, Even the areas that we know, man, I need to grow in this. It is hard for us to receive outside input. Isn't it? It's hard for us to hear other people. I mean, like if you just look at what Paul said to Timothy and you take those words, do, do you want someone to command you? I mean, you probably don't have positive feelings about this, right? He says, command Timothy, I want you to command people. I mean, you probably didn't wake up today saying, you know what I need? Someone to command me. You know what I need today? Someone to point all the things out where I'm missing it. Like we probably didn't feel like that today or any day. It takes humility. It takes humility. It's hard for us because we think kind of our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus, we view it as this very personal thing. It's me and him. And you know what? I might listen to kind of the opinions of some other people. I might kind of take some suggestions from other people. But at the end of the day, it's between me and God. And we don't really want someone to command. We don't really want someone to point things out. But just like physically... No bodybuilder, you you never look at a bodybuilder and go, "Yo, Arnold," or who, this is you know whoever I don't know who bodybuilders are today. And you say, "How'd you get like that?" And they say, oh, "You know, it was videos at home. You know, I was just watching YouTube videos at home by myself." That never happens, right? I mean, why? why I, sometimes my mind is blown. Like, why do people? Why does LeBron? Why does Kobe? Why did Jordan? Why do all these greats? Why? Why do they need a coach? Why is it? I mean, shouldn't they just be like, hey, I'm Jordan. I don't need you to tell me what to do. And just, you know, jump six feet in the air and dunk the ball. But they had coaches. I mean, all the great athletes we just looked at, they had coaches. You know why? Because we need someone in our life to point things out. We need someone in our life to help us see what we don't see. We need humility. If you want to experience growth, you have to have humility. And what what this means is this, look, God knows that we all have blind spots in our life and he doesn't want to leave us alone to our own devices. God doesn't, look, it can be overwhelming to think about growing. It can be overwhelming to think about experiencing God in every part of your life and being aware of who he is and all things in your life. That can be an overwhelming, daunting thing to think about, which is part of what God is saying here is you're not alone. You don't have to do it by yourself. But I want people in your life to point things out, to even command and teach and bring truth into your life. I know that's hard. I know oftentimes we don't want it. But if we want to experience the end result, if we want to experience growth of knowing and experiencing God in all things, we need training and we need humility. Finally, what happens when we grow like this? So if, if we grow like this, if we, if we grow in godliness, experiencing more of who God is in all things, if we grow in godliness, what happens? Here's what Paul says. Godliness is beneficial in every way. It's beneficial in every way. Now, what that means is that if you think about physically, Paul says, physically, there's some, some value, some value to physical training. So think about what happens when you get more physically fit. Let me tell you what I've read about. Here's what happens. When you are more physically fit, what happens is is you man, you're gonna sleep better. Right? You're gonna sleep better, your mood's gonna be better. If you're stressed, endorphins start to release, and and you get you know, even right after workout, you get that runner's high or that lifter's high. I don't know if that's a thing, but you you get you get kind of that endorphin rush and you feel good. Your immune system is stronger. And so many physical benefits, so many benefits in your life from emotionally and your sleep and your mental kind of awareness and capacity is greater. A lot of different things happen when you take physical training and start to put it into your life. It kind of spreads out and starts to touch all these different things. What would happen if godliness who God is and what he's done and living in relationship to him? What if that gets inside of you and you start experiencing training and more and more of that? That also spreads out. That also starts to touch every area of your life. That starts to affect your relationships and that starts to affect your work and that starts to affect your kind of just thought life and what happens. It starts to affect your speech. It starts to affect everything Paul says that physical training is of some value. It it brings benefits to your life. But godliness, it benefits in every way, both in this life and the life to come. It touches and affects and influences all things. And then he says this. He says it benefits us, but it's not just us. He tells us that God is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. He's reminding us who God is that God wants to save people. He wants to bring them into his family. For some people, he's already done that, but it is available to everyone. And then at the end of the section, he tells Timothy kind of all these commands he's given him and all the training and all the pay close attention and all the, at the end, he gives this, this is the reason again, which is the savior of all people. This will save yourself and your hearers. So he's telling Timothy, I want you to grow in godliness. I want you to train in godliness. I want, other, I want you to be committed to this, to practice this. Why? Well, because it will benefit you. But it will also benefit other people around you. It will save you. Meaning you will experience more of who God is and his salvation that he has given you and other people will also. You see, what happens when we grow like this is we are benefited in every way. But it's not just that we are benefited in every way. The people around us benefit in every way. The people around us. I mean, if you are beginning to understand who God has been to you and you are living in relationship to that, that's gonna change you. But it's also gonna change the people around you. They will begin to experience something of who God is and the goodness that he has for them and what he wants to bring into their life. This is what, Paul is telling us. So we all want to grow. We all have areas in our life that we want to grow in. How do we do that? Not just drifting through life, not just coasting through life, not quick fixes, but Paul says it's through training. It's through understanding who God is and who he's been to us and actively pursuing that all the time. What would happen in your life if you did that? Do you think? Who do you think you would become if more and more of your life was shaped by, I live in relation to God? So many things in our life begin to change. I mean, and think about it like a training thing. What would happen in a year? Not what would happen tomorrow, but who do you think you would become in a year, in two years, in three years? If if you come to God and you say, okay, God, I I want to train in this. I want to become who you would want me to become. I want to live every part of my life in relationship to you. What do you think happens in three years? We become different people. We become people that experience all the benefits of God and that other people experience that in our life. So I just leave you with this. What what's your next step? What's your one push-up? What's your five push-ups? Maybe it's to confess to God. Maybe it's, maybe it's to begin saying, I need to actually read the Bible to get to know who he is. It's going to be hard for me to live in a relationship if I don't really even know who he is. Maybe it's to pray. Maybe it's to be in community. But what is your next step? Maybe it's just this. As I was thinking about this, maybe for some of you, it's just this. And, and I would encourage you, even as we're about to take communion, to even pray this if, if maybe this is for you. Maybe it's just to say, okay, God. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just to say, yes, I want that. Maybe that's all. Maybe the next step is to actually just verbally say to God, okay, take me where you want me. Let's see where this goes in the next three years. Just, okay. God, I want to live in relationship to you in all my life. Okay. I, I would really even just encourage you as we take communion, as we pray. Just say that, just say okay, just say yes. Make a verbal commitment and see what begins to happen. When we we come to take communion, you know what we remember? We We want to experience godliness, which is to live in relationship to God and who he's been to us in all areas of our lives. Communion is the best representation of who God has been to us and what he's done for us that Jesus' body was broken, that his blood was shed to forgive us our sins to, as Paul said, to save us, to wash away and clean away all the junk that's there, but more than that, to give us life with him, that he would die the death that we should die, to give us the life that he only earned. That's what we remember. That's who he's been to us. And godliness is to say, I want that. I want that as part of all my life. So as we come take communion, reflect on that. And as we sing songs, let us worship this good God that we have. Father, I I thank you that you want us to know who you are. You want us to experience who you are in every part of our lives. I thank you that you are not content for us to just rest on who we have seen you to be in the past or who at one time in our life we we knew or understood that you were, but you want more for us. You want us to experience growth, to experience more of you every day in all things. I thank you that you are a passionate, eager, desiring God that wants that for us. You are the God that gave yourself to us and wants us to enjoy that and who you are every day. Help these truths to go deeper into our heart now, Jesus.